What's up, guys? Uh, don't forget, head over to runthepower.com. Uh, check out our free standard membership. We've added another 20 to 30 coaches just this week. Um, so we're really excited about that. We've got a lot of great feedback from it. Coaches are excited. Uh, we've got a lot of guys excited for our premium membership to come out in August. Uh, but again, go get that free standard membership. Like I said, it's free. It'll always be free. Um, no catches to it. Just trying to get some football out there. We're trying to learn. We're trying to help other coaches learn. Uh, so we're really excited. You guys go check that out. Again, it's free and, and there is no catch. Uh, we just want to help the f- football community. We want to help uh, learn ourselves. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sky Coach. Sky Coach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. With 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium and in any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach is the market leader in sideline replay. Uh, go visit them at myskycoach.com to learn even more. Uh, we use it at Broken Arrow. Like I've said before, I get a butt shot as, a, as an offensive line coach. You can't ask for much more than right after the play's done, you're getting a butt shot of what just happened. So uh, you guys make sure and go check them out at myskycoach.com. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletics programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or you just need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. This is something that is extremely important, as, as we as coaches know, especially when you've got a lot of players you've got to run through the weight room. You want maximum results in a minimum amount of time. Uh, team Builder helps you do that. You can visit their website and start a 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. And that's team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. And then last but certainly not least, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sideline Power. Uh, Very powerful. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication, offering cutting-edge technology and innovation. Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the extension of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. You can visit them at sidelinepower.com, by email at info at sidelinepower.com, or just give them a call at 800-496-4290. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Jeremiah Johnson. Coach Johnson is the defensive coordinator at the University of Northern Iowa, where he also coaches safeties. Uh, Listen as we talk with Coach Johnson about his football journey through the ranks in college football, defensive practice tips for improving turnover margins through cap-offs, and being able to flip back and forth between odd and even fronts from season to season and week to week, based on personnel and your game plan. You guys can follow Coach Johnson on Twitter at Coach underscore J underscore Johnson. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, 
Coach Johnson, uh, I, you know, I've, I've known you now for, for a few years. I, I probably started to know you when I was actually down in Oklahoma and you were recruiting Oklahoma. And that's actually where, uh, where Coach Harper is now down at Broken Arrow. So the way we usually kind of get rolling is we kind of let you tell your story in, uh, in football and how you got to where you are now, the, the defensive coordinator at Northern Iowa. And, and I know this, we're, uh, we're jacked to have you on, brother. Well, I appreciate that. I'm excited to be on. Um, I've been at, at Northern Iowa for 11 seasons. And uh, when I very first got there in 2007, I was coming from a Division three school. And uh, I told Coach Farley, I said, if you let me coach, I can take care of all the video stuff for you. And, it, you know, because I hadn't done anything in Division one, and all I wanted was an opportunity to get there. And so he let me, he let me do it. And so I did the video for one year and was kind of the assistant secondary coach, I guess you'd say. And, uh, I must've done a decent job because after that we started hiring a different person to do the video stuff. But <laughs> even now, 11 years later, technically the video is still under my, my umbrella <laughs> at UNI. Um, before that, I was at this place called Loris College um, in Dubuque, Iowa. I was there for four years. And before that, in 2002, I was a GA at the University of Wyoming and worked for a guy named Vic Koning, who uh, I believe is the D coordinator at Troy now. And a really good guy, but we didn't win enough games. <laughs> kind of how it works at that level, doesn't it? Yeah, you could you could yeah, talk we about you can talk about character and good guys all you want, but if you don't win, you're looking for a new job, right? Well, yeah, I th it's pretty standard. But <laughs> you know, if you recruit guys that have character, I think you're going to have a pretty good chance to have some success. No doubt about it. And surround yourself with with high quality people. You know, I I mean, I think it all. I think good people can make good things happen. Personally. Coach, how can you tell the, the high-character recruits? That's always, I feel like, the, the toughest part I think would be able to see because um, now obviously there's some kids that they care less and you can tell the character pretty easily, but a lot of these kids are getting probably coached on, hey, you need to act a certain way in front of college coaches. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right on that deal. I think the, the bottom line of it is you have to get to know them and you have to kind of get to know – their family and figure out what makes them tick. It, you know, I mean, there's some kids you talk to and it feels like it's scripted and it probably is, <laughs> you know, where they've been coached on, on what to say. Um, so actually Nelly taught me a couple of tricks to get kids kind of to open up, you know, and it's, it's a question that no coach would have ever prepared them for. Nelly's favorite back back in the old days was he'd always ask a kid if you were stuck on a deserted island and you got to listen to one CD, you only had one CD left, what would it be? And nowadays kids don't even know what a CD is, so I've <laughs> kind of changed that line of questioning. But what it does is it it forces that kid to talk about something that he's not prepared to talk about. 
and then you can kind of start to unpeel that onion a little bit and figure out what he's really all about. Hmm. So that would be my, I mean, that's the way I try to do it. I'm not saying that it's the right way, but, but I feel like for, for me to, to get to understand what makes a kid tick that it certainly breaks the ice and then you can kind of, kind of go from there. And, and I sometimes like to ask that question on a home visit to mom or dad. And, you know, sometimes we can get their guard down a little bit and make it so you can just talk. You know, I, I don't necessarily, like if I'm doing a home visit, I'm not going in there trying to, to sell them the world. I'm just going in there to try to, to get to know them, especially early on in the process. And, you know, I mean, I think, honestly, now that everything's moved up six months, those things are going to change. And your your first home visit in December, they're probably already going to be committed for most teams. So, you know, I mean, it's just interesting how everything's speeding up and it's all changing. And, you know, I mean, uh, we coach at a, a high-level FCS program, and we're talking about sophomores which is crazy. 10 years ago in May, you were just very initially getting your junior list. And wow. now if you don't have your junior list by December, you're behind. <clears throat> you know, I mean, so it's yeah. just, it's wild the way that everything's changing in college football. That's what I was going to ask you is, you know, you, you've been in it now for a while and you kind of answered the question already. You know, what, what has changed about, recruiting you know I don't I don't know if the kids have changed or not I really can't tell the difference I think you know when you get kids in in high school a lot of them are are clueless to begin with so you're you're trying to help them and develop them I'm guessing you probably still see that but I just think with with the timeline with social media you know with with kids being ranked by outside sources it just creates a whole new can of can of worms for you guys to have to deal with well, it, it, I think it's all changed. That when I very first started coaching, they used to give us a calling card, and you sat at your office and you dialed a one eight hundred number to AT and T, and then you <laughs> dialed the kids' phone number, and then you had to put in like a sixteen digit code, and it went to their house. You know, and so if you talked to mom, you had to make sure you logged that you talked to mom, and Johnny wasn't home. But yeah, I mean, it was. It was an interesting deal. Now everybody has a phone, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I texted in the middle of the school day. And you know what's really sad is they text me back. (laughs) Um, You know, because everybody has access all the time right now. And, you know, the, the, the biggest thing I think that's changed in my perspective is Everything now for these kids is instant. You know, how many likes can I get on Twitter? Um, how many people are, are telling me how good my Snap story is? All that stuff. I think, in a way, kids have, have stopped learning how to persevere and to fight because everything that they receive in, in our society now, feedback-wise, is instant. And so they expect to have instant results and they expect to have an offer the first second somebody sees them. And, you know, they don't even necessarily want you to get to know them. 
before they're asking you why you haven't offered them yet. And so to me, that's the biggest change with, with what's happened in the last few years, just in terms of the, the personality of the kids. I think they're, they're still good kids. I think they still have, yeah. you know, high quality parents that care about them. It's just, I honestly just don't think that we're teaching our, our kids to persevere like they, they had to, you know, when we were growing up. So you, you think, you think that's kind of one of the, the main things you're looking for now in kids is that toughness, is that ability to, to bounce back and, and grind and fight and get through that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's critical. I mean, you know, you think about it, these guys that we're talking to, they're the best player at their high school. Most of them are at least probably have come easy for them. And there's yeah. probably days where they can show up and, and, you know, not give everything they have and still have success. And then when you get to college and, you know, like at our place and, and all the places in our league, all the kids are that good. So, you know, and it especially it depends what position you play. You know, the farther you are from the football, I think the easier it is for you to play fast mm-hmm. because you don't have to be quite so strong. You know, corners, wideouts, you either can or you can't athletically. And it's, can you get them coached up and get them on the grass? But if you're if you play quarterback, there's an awful lot of learning. And you know, I mean, I just I think you see with all the the transfer stuff that's going on all over the country, from grad transfers, basketball's a mess right now. Every kid's trying to leave, and and you know, I mean, we we've been pretty fortunate because we don't have a ton of kids that are are trying to leave our place. But I mean, that's everybody. Everybody comes to Northern Iowa or wherever because they they want to play, and it's you know they just don't understand. Sometimes you have to earn that play in time. It's not just going to be handed to you. So that very first year is hard for a lot of kids. And then once the the locker room kind of takes over and and they learn and figure it out, then you know most of the time it it goes pretty good. Well, Coach, I'm also kind of curious because you hear that a lot about, you know, certain kids, and now we're starting to hear college coaches talk about even coaching these kids different because they are, uh, in their opinion, so much different than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. So have you noticed that as well? Have you started to have to mold how you coach these kids, or or has it kind of just been the same and and the kids adapt to what you expect? Yeah, I don't don't know that. Um, I'm not – I'm not a big yeller and screamer. I'm more of a put my arm around them and try to explain to them exactly what it is that, that we want to see or that, that they're not doing that we need them to do. And I think that, you know, in terms of just your style, the bottom line of it is you have to be who you are, but you also have to find a way to communicate with a lot of different kinds of personalities. Um, so like in my meeting room, I've got a couple of kids that, that I can be really hard on and, and set those expectations high and know that, that if you, you know, call them out to a certain degree in front of their peers, they're going to rise up. And then there's also kids in the room that if you do that, they're going to shut it down and they're going to, 
it'll be terrible for about two days until you have a chance to reel them back in. Um, and then to me, the, the biggest trick with the whole operation is figuring out what's the best way to communicate with those guys or not just those, any guys as, so that you can, you can get them to be the best that they can be. You have a certain type of kid then that you kind of want to recruit. I mean, I know you listen to a lot of these coaches and being at the college level, you get to, to select some of those guys, but it's like, Hey, I want to recruit guys that I'm going to like to coach or do sometimes yeah. do sometimes you have to maybe compromise a little bit on that. Cause it's like, Hey, this guy, this guy's got some athletic talent that we really don't have right now in our secondary or something like that. And, and I maybe have to compromise or do you still just kind of go back? It's like, you know what? I'm going to hate coaching that guy. I don't, there's something about him that I'm just not going to like, and I'm not going to put myself or the team through that torture. Well, I, I've, I've never said that. I mean, if, <laughs> if we saw a kid that was elite athletically, I probably would learn to like to coach him. I mean, he, if he's that good, he's going to make me a lot better football coach True. than, than some guy that, that you just love. But I mean, the thing that, that I look for the, the most important thing to me is, is a kid willing to be physical. That's yes. the first thing that I don't care what position we're evaluating. You know, when we sit down as a staff, uh, as a defensive staff and we start watching kids if if they're kids that don't look like they have the desire to be physical against 16 and 17 year olds then I feel pretty strongly that they're not really going to like to bite down on their mouthpiece when they got uh, you know 22 year old running at them either so that's normally the first way they can get shut and, and, and I, I mean, you know as you to know kids I, I mean I like kids that that are competitive I like kids that that like to fight to a certain degree not so much fists and knives and stuff but just <laughs> kids that that have that desire to compete and I, I honestly believe that there's fewer and fewer of them in in society now than there were 20 years ago I totally agree with that 100%. I, don't, I think that's kind of what everyone's looking for. Um, is that pretty much then this the backbone of your, your defensive philosophy? I know now you've, you've been a coordinator. How many years have you been coordinating it now, J.J.? Uh, five, I guess. This will be the sixth one coming up here. And have you always been in the yeah, secondary? I've, well, I, I coached the secondary for the first 10 or 11 years I was coaching, and then. Um, when I first became the coordinator, Coach Farley told me he wanted to wanted me to coach the linebackers. So I coached the linebackers for four years, and then last summer we were able to hire a guy that is a dynamite linebackers coach. So I was able to move back and and go back and coach the back end again. Which I, I mean, I I kind of preferred. I like those kids. I like kids that that got a little edge to them. They you know, they understand black and white, but they like to live their life in the gray. I like the, I like those kids. I mean, those are the kids that, you know, when the ball's in the air, those are the kids that have a tendency to come up with it. And, and I mean, I just, I like kids that got a little edge to them. So the same, but, you yeah, said so I did, I coached backers for four years, I guess. Okay. 
So you're, you're sitting in your, your first, <clears throat> first defensive install or whatever. I mean, what are some of the things that you're talking about? Obviously, you guys have your base fronts, base schemes or whatever, but what's some of like your tenets? Uh, here's what Panther defense is all about. Here's what we hang our hat on, and here's how we're going to win football games. Yeah, the number one thing, we talk about it every year, we want to be the toughest football team uh, in the country. We want to be the most disciplined football team in the country, and nobody's going to out-effort out us. So we talk about toughness, discipline, and effort every day. And the great thing about it is not one of those things is athletic-related. Those are things that, that we try to teach our kids that they can control. So it's not about we want to be the fastest team. We want to be the toughest team. And, you know, to a certain degree, our, our kids can control all three of those attributes. And those are the things that we really try to hang our hat on. Um, and I'm not real big on on goals that are, you know, let's give up less than 100 yards or seven points. Or, yeah, I'm not – I don't like goals so much like that. I'd, I'd rather say – you know, we want to lead the conference in turnover margin, or we want to um, lead the conference in in interceptions or sacks. Or I would rather be that way instead. I, the thing that that bothers me, Brady, is yeah. If you said, if you said, we're never going to give up 100 yards rushing. Well, what happens in the second quarter if if you miss a couple tackles? Some kid goes 80. Yeah. What are your kids going to do for the next three quarters? You already didn't make your goal. Are they just going to shut it down? Um, so, I, you know, I, our goals are not so much per game things, but they're more broad-based. Um, you know, we know that there's a lot of averages. And I don't – listen, I don't like to give up 100 yards rushing to anybody. But <laughs> we also played Cal Poly last year. So I didn't go into that game saying, well, we got to hold these guys to less than 100. They're going to run the ball 72 times. <laughs> yeah, and I, they I like, got plenty of them. As I say, I like I like those goals just to, to me because it's it, it's an attacking goal. It's an aggressive goal. All right, we we want you to go force a turnover. You know, take a chance, make a play. You know, we want to we want to have the most sacks or most negative plays. Hey, defeat a block, go make a play, shoot your gun. I mean. To me, th those things, kids, kids can get behind that stuff. It's, it's a goal for them to attack no repeatedly every single day instead of, like you said, playing kind of defensively. It's like, oh, well, now they're at this many points or now they're at this many and they're worrying about it. It's like, screw that. We're about the next play and let's tack on another big defensive play. I love that mentality. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, there's some places in our league where you sit up in that press box. That's where I sit on game day. And I look out across the stadium, and they've got the yard total right in front of my face. So I know the kids could see it, too. So I, some days you go out there, and you can just see that stupid thing clicking up. And at least I always can look to the left or the right and say, okay, we've only given up seven points. So okay. But, you know, I mean, I just think any time you, you make it yards or points or something, I think you set yourself up to – you know, never meet your goals. At the, at the end of the day, what's the goal to win? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really love to win games 42 to 38, but I'd way rather win them 42 <laughs> to 38 than, than lose them 10-7. <laughs> know, as I know it seems wild, but I just the, – the point of the whole thing is 
is to win. And so as long as we're able to to do that, there's going to be days where your offense outperforms your defense and vice versa, and it, it doesn't matter. It's over the course of a 12-game a season, your average is going to be your average, and, and hopefully you've won eight, nine, or ten of those things, and then you got a chance to keep playing. Well, and then and speaking from a player's uh, perspective, when I was in college and we had these weird, like, be 72% conversion rate on third downs when you're in the game uh, to me anyways I would I was never thinking about any of that it was just hey we need a first down let's get a first down it wasn't oh we need three more to get 72 percent and then you know it just never even crossed my mind in a game and then you know maybe you'd look at it after the game you'd be like well did we get our percentage whatever that was the coach would say yeah or no yeah. but you know you're not thinking about that in the game you, you know you're like you said you got some tenants and, and you can think about being uh, the most physical or the, the hardest working team. You can think about that during a game, whereas that other stuff you, you really can't. You're not doing any good for the kid. Maybe just making your feel, yourselves feel good. And, and you know, I mean, one of our goals every year is we want to lead our league in third down percentage. But I'm not going to tell the kids that it's got to be 72. Right. But we might, right. We, might yeah. lead the, we might lead the league in third down percentage at 68. And at the end of the day, you're going to say, dang, we were best in our league on uh, third down. And, you know, I mean, if you, if you can win third down, in all reality, there's a pretty good chance you've got a great defense because you've got to be pretty good on first and second down to get them into third downs that you can win. You know, I mean, you you guys have probably both called plays. It's not it's not that much fun <laughs> dialing up defenses when it's third and two all day. But if you can get them to third and eight or third and ten, you can do a heck of a lot more stuff and give your kids a heck of a lot more freedom. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, your kids want to play. And so, you know, I we had a kid – a safety that uh, just signed with the Cleveland Browns. And I didn't think he was very good as a junior. And I mean, he was good, but he wasn't even close to reaching his full potential. And the first meeting I had with him um, after I decided that or coach Farley decided that I was going to coach the back end. I, I called him in and I said, all right, Elijah, here you go. I want you to play, but you got to take the handcuffs off. You're not, I'm not asking you to be a robot. I said, you got to understand where you fit in the defense. But once you understand where you fit in the defense, I want you to be aggressive and I want you to go make plays. And I don't know how many he had. He must have had seven or eight interceptions, a couple touchdowns, um, and he just signed a contract with the Browns. So, you know, I just, I think sometimes we as coaches, we try so hard to get kids to do it our way. Mm-hmm. But you, you got to remember that every kid's different. Every kid's built different. Every kid pedals and brakes different. Every kid blocks different. You, your footwork is your footwork, you know. But you, I just don't believe that that you can create robots and expect everybody to perform at the same level if you ask them to to perform the same way. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I I couldn't agree more. We talk with a ton of offensive line guys on this, um, and we, we talk about that all the time. It's like 
we want to just build a, a tool set for these guys to use. And for me to sit there and say all five offensive linemen who are all different sizes, you know, all need to have the same stance. They all need to pass protect the exact same way. They all need to run block the exact same way. It's never going to happen. So I think the more and more we talk to these coaches and the guys that, that we feel are, are pretty good, it's like, I'm going to teach you guys skills to use in the game and whichever ones work for you the best and you go dominate guys, boom. You, you just having that, that meeting with your safety, that was the best coaching job you did. And it, was, it didn't, have no do, didn't have anything to do with, with his technique. It didn't have anything to do with his knowledge of the defense. It just gave him that confidence like, hey, man, I trust you. And I want to see this out of you. That's going to be my standard for you. Look what happened. Boom. The kid's killing it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of funny because Kurt Warner came and talked to our entire athletics department uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was funny because the one thing that he said, he talked for about an hour. And a lot of it is, is stuff that you would expect him to say. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. He, He's a really good player, obviously, but he said he said the the hardest thing that kids have to do is you have to be willing to be great, and there's risk involved with being great. Yeah, you know, he said if if I go out there during a two minute drill, I'm trying to make the throw that wins the football game, but in order for me to try to make that throw. I have to be willing to make the throw that might get picked off because that that's the difference between, between being good and being great is if you're great, you're going to make that throw and you're going to score the touchdown. And I don't, I don't know. It just really resonated with me that, that you, you can, I mean, your kids have to fit within your system. There's no question about it. And they have to, if you, if you call some form of three, you know, you got to have a guy in the deep middle. But yeah. there's nothing saying he has to be a punt returner. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, we try to play with all 11 of those guys. And and that was the thing that Elijah really did was when he was a middle third player, I, I, I just told him flat out, I said, if you, you can be aggressive. You know, if that body clock's going and it's 1,001, 1,002, he's got to be getting ready to do something with the ball. So let's be aggressive and go get it. And, and, you know, he did a phenomenal job of, of doing that for us. But it, it was interesting because he's, a, he's 100% right. It's easy to say, well, I did my job. The ball didn't yeah. show up, but I did my job. That You know, the linebacker should have made that play. He, he caught that at 14. You're, you're telling me to be the, the deep third player. So, you know, what's the deep third? Is it 35? Is it 25? Is it 40? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I, – you know, you understand what I'm saying, right? So yeah. I just think – I think kids have to – they have to they have to have some freedom to to be themselves, and you find out they'll play faster. No, so is, I, that a, is that a decision that you make um, kind of based individually? Like if you've got a young guy, do you try to, um, like you said, maybe restrict him a little bit more? And then when you got a guy that's going to be a senior, you, you kind of take the handcuffs off of him even more? Or is it, you know, something that you, you try to instill that, you know, from their freshman year? Yeah, no, I mean, the the easiest way, the way that I kind of think of it is when when a kid shows up on your campus, he's he's a wild Mustang that ain't ever been rode. <laughs> you know, 
And so you got to throw the saddle on him and see how hard is he going to buck? How is he going to react? What, what's going to happen? Because you're 100% right. As they're learning the defense, they need to learn the defense. And he needs to understand where he fits in the defense. And then hopefully once he understands where he fits in the defense, then you can teach him, okay, this is what this is what these guys are doing. So that's the, the next phase. You know, I call that the 200-level courses. All right, you know what you're doing. Well, how does what you're doing affect this guy, or how does it affect this guy? And then they can kind of start to understand that, and all of a sudden the light comes on, and you can see the light comes on because you'll be talking in a meeting and all of a sudden you'll see a kid that he starts nodding at you and you, you know, yeah, I mean, you can just read their body language to a certain degree and you kind of figure out, okay, he's got it. Mm-hmm. And then that's yeah. about that point where I say, okay, now we got to start being aggressive. And, you know, for some kids, like, like you said, coach, it's, it's three years. Some kids it's, it's three weeks. Um, a lot of it depends on, on their mentality um, you know, I mean, some kids are just aggressive by nature and they want to go make those plays. And, and the hard thing to do is when you're trying to teach them, okay, this is what a deep half or a deep third is, is you don't want to take that part away from them. But it's okay in practice if that kid's sniffing and he gets beat on a post ball. Cause then he can say, okay, I understand. I can't do that up here. <laughs> These quarterbacks got a little stronger arms than those cats. I was playing last year, but you know, I, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that that's a hundred percent correct, but I don't know necessarily that it's an age thing. I think it's more of a, of a feel thing. Like when, when does that kid really understand what you're asking him to do? And and once he gets to that point, you know, I mean, I've got I've got a kid in my room um, that I've had for for four and a half years, and he could run every meeting. You know, I mean, he knows he it's it's kind of funny because he didn't practice this spring, and I I'm talking and I'm looking the other way, and he's saying the same things that I say, which apparently means I need to get some new material but um <laughs> at least i know he's been paying attention for for the last four years but you know i mean it's it's just interesting and and every kid is different every kid is going to learn different every kid is going to take a little bit something different out of whatever it is that message that you're trying to get across um a handful of years ago i started praising these things that we call cap offs Mm-hmm. And what a cap off is, is what I always tell these kids is if he, fin- if he finishes to the ground, we finish to the ground. And so, you know, a cap off is that guy might be fighting for an extra yard or two. And instead of our guys, you know, laying up because he's going down, now we're, we're going in. <laughs> and and we, we are trying to hit people as much as we can legally. Um, you know, we don't we don't have a lot of late hits. We, I think we had one last year, um, but but we praise cap offs. I I will spend more time in a meeting um, on a Sunday praising a cap off than I ever would talk about a missed tackle. Hmm. 
And and my point is this: if if you want your kids to play fast and to play physical and to be violent, part of our thing with tackling is we teach them where it's okay to miss. So if you come to our practice and you watch seven on seven, um, we can't tackle them anyway. But but all those coaches on our defense are saying inside leg, outside leg, whatever. Because at the end of the day, everything's going to end up being some sort of a vice tackle. You're always going to have a guy coming from outside in. You're always going to have a guy coming from inside out. And at some point, you should have a deep half or a deep thirds player that should come to to kind of put the point on it, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, we're, we, we talk about all that stuff. But these cap-offs, what we've found over the years is you can get offensive players to tap out. Mm-hmm. If if you keep hitting them, you keep hitting them, and they, they're going to the ground and we keep coming and we keep coming, that's when you force fumbles. That's when you convince kids that is it really worth it to play against this team today? Do I really want to fight for that extra <laughs> yard? Um, and so the more that, that we can do it, the better off it is. And I had a kid named Deshaun Dexter that bought into it so much. I started calling him the cap off King cause he'd make about two tackles a day, but he'd have like 12 cap offs <laughs> and uh, he changed his Twitter handle to his, his Twitter handles cap off decks. You can, you can look it up if you want, <laughs> but that, that was what, that was his thing. He became the cap off King and, and I mean, he was a really, really good football player for us, but it didn't show up in the stats. Everybody that played against us knew he was a great player. But, you know, he was a kid that would make 50 tackles in 12 games. But he also would have about 80 cap-offs. And it was the cap-offs that forced the fumbles um, and all those things. And what, what happens with defense is that stuff's contagious. Yes. So if you can – I mean, you know, it's like, a, it's like a herd of sheep. If you can get one going the right way, they're all going to follow. And so once once we got Deshaun really to buy into this cap off thing, what what you saw was eleven kids on the grass. And every single one of them was trying to get their piece. We were all trying to strike people, and you know I started showing videos. Um, this is going to sound terrible, but I, I started showing <laughs> videos in our our meeting room of piranhas. You ever watched a piranha eat? Yeah. They shred, They just shake, shake their body back and forth and shred it. Well, they do, but if you watch them, they come in there like a bottle rocket, <laughs> and he takes a bite, and he gets the hell out of there as fast as he can. Yeah, because he might get bit. That's correct. <laughs> and so I started showing our kids that this is what it's about now. You go in there and you get your piece, and you get the hell out. <laughs> See, you don't want to stand around the pile because somebody's coming. And, you, you know, I mean, you, you see guys get hurt standing around piles because they're not paying attention or whatever, and all of a sudden here comes a little bottle rocket shot out of a cannon that's coming in to try to cap a, uh, a ball carrier off, and you're just standing there. You're going to lose a kneecap. <laughs> and But it, it, was, it was really good. And, you know, I, I mean, I just I love that kid because he really – and he practiced that hard. Now, obviously, we don't get to tackle in practice, so he never got to practice capping anybody off. <laughs> he just did it naturally. But he bought into it, and then everybody in our in our locker room bought into it. Now, 
it's just kind of part of what what our DNA is is we're going to cap off every every hit that we can. Um, and our kids do run. I mean, they run hard to get to the ball. We try to get eight, nine, ten, eleven. You know, within five yards of the ball carrier, anytime he goes down, and I want at least four of them laying on top of him. And that, you know, I mean, it, our kids do a good job. And and um, the thing that's really cool with our guys is they talk about it. You know, it doesn't always have to be one of the coaches that says, "Hey, we got to we got to get to the ball." That that's what the expectation is. And so we've got strong enough leadership in that locker room that our kids understand that's what the standard is. And so they, they work to, to play that way. You guys pretty much have to play that way in the, in the league that you guys are in. I mean, it's, it's a murderer's row of, of squads. What's it like game planning for all these different offenses that you see now? I mean, you're seeing the North Dakota States of the world, multiple tight ends, multiple fullbacks, multiple schemes, and then you're seeing everything up to, you know, empty spread 10 personnel you guys play Cal Poly who's a triple option team I mean yeah. what's it what's it like what's it like for life as the DC in your guys's league well I you know I mean it's it's no different than anywhere else I mean you just play whoever's next right I don't get to make this schedule <laughs> um but but it is it I mean the, th- the thing that I love about it is you have your base principles and you're going to do what what your kids can do. I mean, a lot of people always – one of the, the very favorite questions people ask someone in my position, if you go, they'll say, what can, what are you? What do you guys do? <laughs> and they, are you a 3-4? Are you a 4-3? Are you a 4-2-5? And I always just say, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we are. And the reason is this. At, at the University of Northern Iowa, we have really good players. Yep. But we're not Alabama. So we can't go out on that recruiting trail and say, man, I need the best three technique I can find. I need the best three technique in the country. We're going to go out and we're going to take the best players that we can find. Mm-hmm. And if you got a great one and I don't need a whatever, a running back, and he's that good, we're going to take him. And, you know, I mean, that's just the the philosophy that Coach Farley's had is we're always going to take the best that we can get. And so, you know, we've played in 2013, we were primarily odd structure defense. We played a lot of 3-4 stuff. 2014, we were probably 50-50 odd and even. 2015, we were almost 90% even, and we had two corners that both play on Sundays now, and we played like 90% man-to-man. You want to be a great D coordinator, find yourself some dudes that can cover. Um, In 2016, we weren't very good. Um, Statistically, we played um, about 50-50, and then this past year we were probably 80-20 even structure to odd structure. So my point of it is, is you have to figure out what your kids can do. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, I mean, if you think about this now, your kids are up there for 20 hours a week and that counts practice. You're up there for 115 hours a week. So it's a heck of a lot easier for our coaches to drop a few new X's and O's 
than it is to go get a different body or try to teach a body that that can't do something to try to make him do something. You, you know what I mean? I mean, some kids just can't do the things you want them to do. So you either you either have to get a new guy or you have to figure out what can that kid do. And our philosophy is we're going to find ways to to let kids be good at what they are, if that makes sense. So yeah. if you have if you have corners that are great at cover three and can't play man to why would you put them in man? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's going to be a time where you have to, but why would you ever put in a, a kid in a position where he has fail? Because that's what I've always done. I've always played this or I've always played that. Like to me, that's, that's stupid. I just, I don't understand that. Yeah. You know, I mean, for, for colleges and you know, the, the thing that, I sometimes not necessarily argue, but discuss with, with other people is we do get to pick our kids so, and, and, you know, we're going to pick the best ones that we can, but they don't all develop at the pace with which you think they would, or, or maybe they don't get as good as you think they were or whatever the case is. They're not all going to be exactly what you thought they were. And then there's going to be a handful that are way better than you thought they were going to be. And but at the end of the day, you still have to put those kids in position to where they can be successful. And so, you know, like I said, we, we've done everything. We used to play um, nothing but Tampa two, and we used to twist on every snap. And, you know, our defensive line was really good and they made a bunch of tackles in the backfield and our secondary didn't have to do anything. And then there were other years where those guys up front needed a little bit of help a little bit of help and so we change our scheme a little bit put the corners on an island make them have to lock up and now we're going to put nine in the box if that's what it takes you know i mean ultimately i think to be great you you can't just sit back and say well this is what we're going to do i think you have to figure out what what can your guys do and you know you're going to play like at our place, we say, who's our top 15? Who's our top 15, and and what are they really good at? What coverages can we play? What, you know, what can they blitz? Can they do this? Can the defensive line, can that guy command a double team and, and keep it off the linebackers, or do we have to do something to help it? Um, and that's the part of it that that I think makes it fun because we'll go, you know, there will be P and 10, and we'll be an odd structure defense. And then on second down, we're an even structure defense. And then third down, we're back in odd structure defense. So we don't have to change personnel the way that our, our system works. So we play with kind of a hybrid um, defensive end that, that can do drop things. And we don't ask him to play a ton of man, but he's athletic enough that, that he can do it. Um, and that's one of those positions that, that you always try to find and make sure you've got a couple of them. Um, but you know, I mean, in terms of game planning, I think you, the number one thing you have to do is what can our kids do? Mm-hmm. And then number two, how do we, how do we stop them? You know, is, is it a certain front? Um, you know, like if we're watching a team and they run a lot of gap scheme stuff, you know, what, what front do they, are they least effective against? Well, then we're probably going to find a way to play that front. Um, you know, even if it's not something that, that we play all the time, 
but we're going to, we're going to find a way to, to get it in within our system and, and make them try to do something that they're not very good at. Why do we always have to be the ones that adjust? <laughs> Coach, I know that Coach Walls right now is, is in heaven after listening to all of that. I've heard him give uh, a similar speech to that um, almost weekly about defenses and guys being a, an, a 4-3 guy or just an odd guy. I know that, uh, I know that he's really excited after, after hearing you say that. It doesn't make any sense to me. I hear these guys say it all the time. Well, you, you can't teach it. You can't teach it. It's like, well, I'm a, I'm a multiple formation guy. I have to teach five to ten run schemes some years, and I'm teaching five to ten pass concepts to a quarterback. What? Why? You, you mean to tell me you can't teach a defense two fronts? <laughs> I mean, it, well, it, me ask, it blows my mind. Let me ask you this, Brady. Yeah. If, if you're a D-line coach, if you play with a head-up technique, does it matter if it's a zero, a two, or a four? No, no, it does not. <laughs> and if you play in, if you play some sort of a shade technique, whether it's an inside shade or an outside shade, you could be a three, a two eye, a five, a nine, whatever, a four eye. Is your technique not the same? Exactly the same. <laughs> so why why would you say that you can't teach it? <laughs> I don't know. That, that's what that's what that blows I my don't mind. Understand. Now, are the run fits different? Yes, no question. They're they're different, but there's there's different things that you can do up front. You know, some guys some guys try to two gap everything and and stay lateral and read things. And I don't know enough about that stuff to say that it's good or it's bad. There's a team in our league that does it. Um, and I, I watch their defense every week mm-hmm. and it, you know, it's not really for me. I, I don't like that. I like our kids more to be more vertical. I mean, I, I don't want our yeah. defensive linemen to feel like their only job is to keep guys off the linebackers. <laughs> How much fun would that be? <laughs> you know, yeah, and, go, go play offensive so line. Then. <laughs> Well, I see. I would have never gone down that road, but yeah, you, that's exactly right. And and so we just, I I just want all of our kids. I want all eleven of those kids on the grass to feel like, man, if I just if I just put my nose down and I get where I got to get, I'm gonna make a play. And if they believe that, they're gonna make plays. As yeah. soon as you tell a guy. You just hold on to this tackle. If you can, grab this guard and just keep him off the linebacker. Well, that kid ain't going to make any plays. All he's going to do is he's going to try to hold 600 pounds, and eventually he's going to wear out. <laughs> and so yeah. if, if, if you put him in position to where alignment-wise, they can go vertical based on maybe where the back is or where the tight end is or whatever the case is, but if you can put him in a position where – they don't. The, that offense doesn't get those angles to where they can really just eject his ass. I probably can't say that. That's uh, fine. Just yeah. really, you know, just just get him moved. That's the worst thing that can happen to a defense is a yeah. defensive tackle gets gets moved. If he can, if anybody in that in that front seven, as long as they're playing downhill, then then I feel like you've got a chance to. To stop people as soon as they start going towards the secondary, now all of a sudden there's people in feet, and now nobody can move and nobody can run and nobody can go play. 
you're spending your whole day trying to figure out where's the block coming from instead of reading your keys and going. And, and, and yeah, I, I, go ahead. You, I was just going to say, you, you said the first thing when you're game planning, wh- what can we do? Well, is that you're if you get your best players on the field, well, if it's three down linemen and four linebackers, your best players are on the field and you're going to instill the confidence in those guys to go make plays. It's not going to be about the scheme. You, you said it's about the kid, right? And if one of those kids defeats his block, the defense wins, right? I mean, that's kind of how, how it goes. The I offense has to have – that's always the case, but, but a lot of sure the time. if two of our guys get off a block, we're pretty good shape. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we see, you know, all these guys that are running – power lead now or they just they just run right zone okay so it looks like inside zone to us but on this snap they read the three technique on this snap they read the defensive end on this snap they read the mic there's an rpo off of it there's linemen that are 19 yards down the field i always (laughs) tell the umpire i always tell the umpire i'm in charge of our punter that's one of my jobs so in pregame I always go down and I put my stopwatch on the punter and we're just standing there talking. Well, the umpire always comes over because the long snapper's there. And I don't talk to officials because I'm always up in the box. But um, the only thing I tell them on every Saturday is I said, I said if, you, if you have to get out of the way of an offensive lineman and all of a sudden that ball was this past year, just go ahead and drop your flag because they can't do that. <laughs> It's and gotten always, bad. Oh yeah, it's gotten terrible, coach. Do you, how how many of those cutups do you make each week and send yeah, them I mean, in? I make mean, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't do any good. <laughs> no, it's no, it's not. I mean, listen, I don't think I, I don't think that that umpire is trying to do a bad job. <laughs> I know I've stood there before. That of all the jobs related to football, football operations and the umpire would be the two I would never pick. <laughs> those I mean, are too bad. That guy's got that guy's got crossers and you know how those offensive coaches, they're using him as mm-hmm. a pick. They very rarely run true mesh. They tell the wide receiver to use the umpire. Yeah. So that, I mean that guy's got tough work. So that's hard for me to get super mad at him. But even if I did spend an hour and made a cut up, I'd send it to the league and they'd say, yep, should have been, should have been, should have been, should have been, but it doesn't change the result. So it doesn't matter. So we, you know, I mean, we just, we've had to change alignments um, and some of that stuff to defend RPO game. We've had to change kind of the way we fit things at times. Um, to be able to defend the RPO stuff because, I mean, I, I like I said, I wish they'd call it, but it's not getting called, and I'm not going to sit here and, and think that all of a sudden it's going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, they're too worried about uniforms now. They're too worried about uniforms and targeting. <laughs> and I'm I, my only argument with this whole targeting thing, I think the, the intention of it is really good. I do. But at what point are we defenseless? I mean, if I've already decided that I'm going to come strike you and you duck, that's not my fault. That's your fault. 
Agreed. And, you know, we had a kid get kicked out of a football game last year. Um, fortunately, it was like two minutes before halftime, so we only missed the two quarters. He didn't have to miss any of the next game. But a couple of years ago in the playoffs, um, we had a kid get ejected in the right at the start of the third quarter. And so he had to miss those two quarters, and he had to miss the first two quarters of a semifinal game or a quarterfinal game. I can't remember what it was. but And we ended up losing that game. And if he would have played, I mean, I can't sit here and tell you we would have won, but I can tell you our chances would have been better. <laughs> and and it, was his hit targeting technically? Absolutely it was. It was helmet to helmet. But when when he went after the kid to tackle him, he was aiming for his chest and the kid ducked. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen ultimately is they're going to give us no choice, but for our kids to start tackling kids low. And I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a time and a place to do it, but I, I, I don't like to teach kids to, to try to saw people down because that affects their livelihood. Yeah, you know, I mean, you exactly. you tear a kid's ACL up, you you can end his career. You might be the best player that that we've ever played against, and he might not ever get a chance to play again. And I mean, you could say the same thing about a head injury. The only thing I know is we have a lot more protection about, around our head than we do around our knees. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I just don't know. You know, we try to get our kids to attack the lower half of the numbers, but a good running back, even if we're trying to attack the lower half of his numbers, if if he can bend, he can put his head right down there. And you know, I mean, I just don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't like the rule. I don't think, I think the intent of it is great, but the way that it's applied is not great. Um, and I, I don't know, I just. I think it's they're they're trying to make it so our kids are more tentative and and I just I don't know I I think it's making us soft. <laughs> there's there's no doubt that it is. And then I, I've been saying the same thing for a couple of years, Coach. I mean, I'd much rather get hit hard in the head and, and maybe sit out a game or whatever than get my whole knee blown out and be out for a year and maybe forever because it never goes back the way it's supposed to. So uh, I completely agree with that part. And, and I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was uh, Bosa at Ohio State, his very last game. He got a really – it was – I don't think it was even hardly a, a, a helmet-to-helmet, but they called it, they reviewed it, and they kicked him out. Very last game of his college career. Now he's got lucky that – not lucky, but he was, he's playing in the NFL now, so I'm sure it wasn't a huge deal to him. But, you, I mean, if you're talking about a kid that's played college for four years, it's his final game, and he's not going to the NFL now – he just kicked him out of his final game because it was a, uh, a technically maybe a helmet to helmet, but really it was nothing malicious about it. Correct. That, I mean, that's the whole, I, I get it. If it's an old school Lester Hayes spear, like <laughs> yeah. that, you know, I mean, I understand that stuff. Let's get rid of all that. But I don't really think anybody's teaching kids to tackle that way anymore. No one is. So everybody's everybody's teaching them to keep their eyes up and and to try to grab cloth and run your feet and do all those things and and you know but gosh darn their our bullseye is getting smaller and smaller and smaller it seems like every year 
and you know, I mean, it just it it just slows you down. We had a kid get kicked out of the game. This is a, this is honest to God's truth. It might have been in 2013 or 14, but he and a wide receiver were both jumping to enter to catch a pass, and our guy at the last minute saw their guy, so he pulled his hands down and tried to get out of the way, and their faces touched. And he got kicked out of the game for targeting. Jeez. Oh sure. And so I made I made th- that summer when the officials they come meet with us every summer. And I pulled up that play and I said, Tell me what my guy was supposed to do. And they didn't have an answer, but it was still targeting. And I, I just I said, This is not targeting. Their faces touched, but they're he that he's not trying to hurt somebody that's not targeting he was trying to get out of the way and you know the part about it that irritated me was if it weren't for that silly rule he would have gone up there and been way more aggressive to try to get the interception but when he felt that other color coming he pulls his hands back tries to get his body out of the way and he's lucky he didn't get himself hurt and I don't know, it's irritating. And then the other part, while I'm on player safety, that really irritates the hell out of me, is when tight ends or fullbacks come slicing across the behind the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and chop a defensive end that's big burden. That I don't like. We've had way more kids injured because of that than we have of, of a head-to-head collision. Because that guy's not expecting to be cut. He's looking at the quarterback, and all of a sudden, some coward comes from the side and attacks his kneecap. That mm-hmm. I don't like. Yeah, you know I mean, what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's the same as when they changed the uh, the crackback rule when guys were cracking on a linebacker and they'd go low. It's it's the same yeah. thing. You know, he's 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 cheap shotting a guy from one side right there in the knee. Totally agree. That's correct. And and I understand that technically it's legal, and I suppose our offense probably does it, so I should just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but, but, you know, if he starts in the core, it's a legal block. If he starts outside the core and comes back inside, it's an illegal block. Well, why does it matter where you start? <laughs> it's the, the, the end result of it is exactly the same. Yeah. If, you know, you remember – so if that guy would just cut the guy right in front of him, I'd be okay with that because we can practice that. You know, like when we played Cal Poly, our kids were getting cut every snap, and that's just the way it goes. They had a tackle that would cut our our alley runner every snap. <laughs> and so, but you, you know, you get used to it. But if you're sitting there and you're looking at the cornerback and you're trying to tell him to give the ball or keep the ball or whatever you want him to do, and now all of a sudden some kid comes out of nowhere and tries to slice your kneecaps off. I don't know. I just I have a problem with it. I don't, I don't like it. Well, it's, not, it's like you said, it's not safe. I mean, it, no matter what anyone can say, well, hey, it's legal, but it is not safe, right? Correct. And then anytime yeah. we talk about safety, I got to talk about uh, <laughs> my sor- the, the sad, sorry guys that have to be on punch shield. They made made every special teams thing illegal that could ever hurt anybody except for uh, the the shield on punt. And I just feel sorry for my offensive line guys that have to be on the shield because that's got to be the job in in football. You know what you need to do? 
you need to you need to go online or just text me or something when this deal's over. We played Hawaii in 2014 at their place, and they had some sawed-off, nasty defensive linemen that could run. Oh, jeez. And every time we punted, <laughs> their only goal was to try to injure our shield. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that shield can't do anything. They can't block low. No. They can't do anything. They just have to sit there and take it. And take sit, it. There, sit there and absorb and it from 13 awful. yards. I mean, I sat up in the press box, and I was just hoping we didn't have to punt. But I think we did about 12 or 13 times that day. Oh, those and, kids were hating. I mean, on. at one point, th- those kids asked, like, do we really have to punt? <laughs> and, you know, so – in the name of player safety, we started to do a little roll punt just so that they had to change their angles. Right. Um, and that, that takes some of those hits off of those kids. But you're right. That is that, that I, I would add that to the umpire in the football operations job. The, the shield <laughs> punt guy is a pretty bad job. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh man i was lucky i never had to do it well well coach we talked a little bit uh, you know we talked a lot about um recruiting kids or, or the type of kids that you want but you also kind of started off talking about that you guys just hired a new uh, defensive coach so you know all the coaches that listen get really excited and kind of want to know what, what are you guys i'm sure you had a little bit of hand in that process of hiring a defensive coach so what are you looking for whenever you are hiring a coach well, I think it depends on the position, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, the first thing that, that you want is a guy that can teach. Um, and that's the hardest thing probably for us to figure out, you know, as you're going through the interview process, because anybody can. It's it's no different than when you're recruiting a kid. if if you're a guy that's getting ready for a job, you're going through every question those guys are going to ask you and how you're going to answer it. And so there's times where those interviews can feel a little scripted too. Um, but, but ultimately the first thing that, that you want is you want a guy, number one, that can teach. You want a guy that is going to fit within the dynamic of, of that defensive staff room or that offensive staff room. I mean, you don't want, you don't want to bring some guy in that is straight oil and all the other guys are water. Um, so, but, but at the same time, you also don't want that guy just to be a yes man, you, you know, so there's, there's a fine line, but he has to be able to fit within, within the personality of that room. So, and the other part of it is you have to know what kids is he going to coach? What, mm-hmm. what kind of personality do they have? Is, are those kids going to get better because this is this guy's uh, mentality, so to speak? So there's some guys, some position groups that maybe you needed a guy that was a little more uh, in your face or aggressive or whatever the, the right terminology is but he's still got to be a good guy and he's still got to be a good teacher for us. And, and I think anybody would tell you that 
in college football these days, if you can't recruit, um, you're sure. probably not going to stay in it very long. Because, I mean, listen, you can be as good or bad a coach as you are. If you got great players, they're going to make you look that much better. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt. And, and you talk a little bit about the scripted part. Um, I, I've got buddies, obviously, that are always trying to find the uh, the playbook or the, um, you know, position manuals from different schools. And, and we get some schools in and their offensive line position manuals, like, 115 pages long or something and I'm always like why do they have such a long it has to only be to get interviewed I don't think the kids look at 10 of those pages I'm like that's not going to help your kids at all you got 115 pages that, that's a guy that needs to have a hobby <laughs> these guys come in with just I, these unbelievable like powerpoint presentations and stuff too so I remember well, at Tulsa, those guys would come in with those presentations, and you're like, oh, really? Do I got to sit through another one of these? <laughs> yeah, but I don't let them turn them on. There you go. Good. That's what I always I mean, said. <laughs> because, the, I mean, and you guys know this stuff. You, When you're interviewing or you're recruiting or you're doing any of that stuff, if you want it to go the way you want it to go, you have to lead. You have to you have to force them to give you the information you want. Mm-hmm. If you let him put the PowerPoint up there, he's going to give you the information that he wants. And I, I don't know. I like Coach Farley. He every once in a while he'll let him put it on, but for the most part, it's you know what are your drills, you know, and and the one thing that he'll say a lot is, okay, we're all sitting in this room, and we're all corners. Teach me how to play whatever coverage you feel the strongest about. So at least you can figure out how what's the, what's the progression. Is it going to start with stance? Is it going to, you know, is he a stance alignment, key read, technique guy? What's, what's his, you know, how, how's he going to teach it? And I, I like the way that that coach asks that question because you you can start to figure out if a guy can teach, and then you know we all have the opportunity to ask another question or what have you. And ultimately, by the time it's done, um, that guy's probably got sweat coming out of his out of his suit. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's not easy, but I just don't think that you want the interviewee to have the power. I don't think you want them to have the chalk last, as they say. Mm. I think you got to control that thing and put them in a situation where they have to tell you what you want to know, not let them tell you what they want you to know. I I think that's does awesome. It, does that help? I no, don't I, know. It does, <laughs> yes. I think it helps a lot. I I think it makes a lot of sense because it's like you said. Now they can't BS you. I mean, it, it, yeah. now the ball the ball's in your court. You're you're getting the answers that hopefully you want, and it's forcing him to get a little bit uncomfortable and have to think, and not just be a robot with his PowerPoint. Well, yeah, and think about when you were back in college and you took speech class, hmm. and you had to give that speech, and it was fifteen <laughs> minutes. But man, you memorized every note card, and you yeah. were ready. You were ready to go, and you were even ready for what questions that teacher was going to ask you at the end, yeah. and you, you killed it. 
and you knock it out of the park. And then you go and get a real job and you have to give a speech and you suck. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's the same, it's the same thing, you know, the way I see it. So I don't know. I just think that, and I think you have to do that with your kids too. You have, you have to put your kids in position where they're not comfortable. So otherwise, how are you going to, how are they going to know what they're capable of and how are you going to know what they're capable of? Hmm. But it's better if you do it in practice than when it counts. Yeah. Well, I'm just a, I'm just a, you know, young, dumb coach, but I've always thought it'd be, I've always wanted to, if I was ever going to hire someone, just have them come in, sit down. All right, pick one of your games from last season and let's see how your guys play. Are they playing hard? You know are, they, are they reading their keys? Let's see one of your games. You know, I, I think that I've always thought that would really show what kind of a coach they are. You're, I agree with you to a certain degree. The only question I would ask you is, how much how much control did they have over what those kids were doing? Right, that's true. You, you know what I mean. Sure. I would rather what what we do um, sometimes is we'll put on our tape and say, okay, coach, you're coaching the D line, and we'll go through a game, hmm. and they, you know, like we're sure. just we're players in the room. We're players in the room on Sunday. And we're critiquing this game tape. So you coach us. And I felt like those those were dynamite. But I like that. the the only thing that I would caution you of is if that guy likes to hear himself talk, <laughs> you might spend an hour on five plays. <laughs> He's trying to think of so every you might, single mistake. You might wanna you might wanna run the clicker. <laughs> yep. Next don't, play. Don't let him run the clicker. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> but one of the best one of the best coaches we've hired since I've been there and I've been there a long time. Um that was the way the interview went. Hmm. We you know, I mean we talked philosophy, we talked technique, we talked some scheme stuff. He's on the board and then you know, Coach Farley said, let's just put on this tape. I just want you to coach us. And that was the part that if you want to figure out, you know, what a guy's all about, do that. Because he didn't know what we were asking him to do. All he knew was what he knew, and he coached him on what he knew. Hmm. And I, I just thought I thought that was dynamite. If I ever became a head coach, that's that's one of those things that – I've got locked into the back of my little pea-sized brain that I hope I can remember. <laughs> That's good. I like that a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna be storing that one. In fact, I'm typing it right now, Harper. That is. That's a good one. I'm taking notes as I go. Well, Coach, we're coming up on obviously a little over an hour, and so we obviously love that you you said you'd come on and talk to us, and you're talking ball with us. But kind of the last question I always ask everybody is. Uh, you're watching another team's offensive line. What's something they would be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Ooh, that's a good question. You know what? Can I, from a defensive perspective, what I really like is when they tell me run pass before the play even starts. That's my favorite <laughs> offensive line. Of the play. Um, because our kids can pick up on that stuff too. Um, no, uh, you know what I like, I like guys that, that finish blocks 
guys that are nasty. Um, so when we're watching an offensive line, if if they're moving in unison, and I mean guys are are straining to to get that hole opened up, and the, I I don't know I I like violent football. Mm-hmm. And so if if you want me to give you a pat on the back for being an O line coach, then I, your kids are going to have to be nasty. <laughs> That that's think, the thing. I mean, I just I like I like that stuff. I like physical ball. Um, I think that's the way that this game was supposed to be played. And you know, there's some teams that play what I call basketball on grass. <laughs> but I, love but that. Uh, I just I that's that's the thing. Like if you watch if you watch North Dakota State or you watch Youngstown. Their offensive line are they're violent, they're physical, they punch, um, and I mean they just they move guys and they're nasty, and those are the the two offensive lines that that we play consistently. That you just know if you're a, a front seven guy and you're getting ready to play that game, you know it's it's going to be like you're sitting in a sausage grinder. <laughs> um, between the tackles and it, I mean, it's just, it's just going to, they're going to wear you out. Um, so I guess from my perspective, that's what, what I would say. JJ, were you, were you there when they, when you guys played at Wisconsin? I was, that was in 2012. How, how was we that? Being a, on the, we, how was that being on the defensive side? Well, we should have beat them coach. I think they beat I say, you guys six to 21. Um, and we we really we probably outplayed them, and they they ended up making a play on us with I don't know eight or ten minutes to go, and they scored that last touchdown on kind of a bust. It was it was a good play action fake, and our safety got a little over aggressive and didn't read his keys very well. And they they got us with a tight end vertical. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, but we had a defensive tackle that day. That he was a sophomore at the time, and we thought he was okay. But he was the best player on the field, and he now plays for the Chiefs. His name is Xavier Williams. But that was kind of the Xavier Williams coming out party. And man, he was he was dominant. And you know it was Wisconsin, so yeah. they had the best offensive line in the country. And they, I mean, you know, but I thought our kids really they they did a good job. They played hard. We we got they were in twenty two all day. <laughs> the only time we saw eleven was on third and long. <laughs> I was going to say you you guys did play a hand, and you could probably hang your hat so because I believe the old line coach got fired the next day. <laughs> Well, I don't know if that's true. I I think that there may be some validity to that, but I do, I've never done the research to say yes or no. But Alleg- I, you know, allegedly, I, don't like it. I mean, allegedly. I don't like it when anybody gets fired, Coach Walls. They, they everybody's got a family, you know. Come on, you have to have a little bit of satisfaction. <laughs> Well, I mean, I like it. I like it. I would have liked it a lot more if we would have won and he got fired. 
That's true. But the way I saw it, everybody lost that day. <laughs> they they didn't play very well. We we lost. And then the worst part about it was, so we played those cats, and then we played some awful team. I I don't know who it was the next week, and then we had to go to Iowa. Jeez. So we played we played arguably the two most physical teams in the Big Ten in three weeks with a, a cupcake served in between. <laughs> but the problem was the cupcake didn't make us any better. You know? Yeah. But, and I'm not sitting here saying we should have played North Dakota State in between because then we wouldn't <laughs> have had any fresh bodies left <laughs> after the, the Iowa game was over. But, man, that was two super physical teams, you know, that we had played in a in a three-week span. And that's all before you start your conference season. So, in all reality, none of that stuff even matters because at our level, if you win the conference, you're in. Mm-hmm you know, in the playoffs. And if you can get through our league, you got a chance to win it all. Yeah. Our league saying, is, uh, it's tough. Dude, your guys' league is, is murderer's row. I mean, what? There's been years you've had five, five teams in, six teams in? Yeah, I, know, I think we had six a couple of years ago. I know this past year um, our offensive coordinator told me we played five straight teams that were ranked in the top 15. Jeez. Five weeks in a row. And, you know, I, I don't remember how we did in them. I think we were four and one maybe. But maybe we were three and two. I think we lost the first one and we shouldn't have. And then we ended up winning a couple. And then I, I don't know. But we, you know, it's it's tough. There ain't no doubt about it. But, you know, I mean, kids come mm-hmm. to Northern Iowa to play against those teams. Yeah. You know, so it's it's no different. You if you if you decide to go to Ole Miss, you know you're gonna play Alabama. You know you're gonna play Auburn. You know you're gonna play mm-hmm. Mississippi State. You're gonna play Georgia. That's what you signed up to do. So you know, I mean, I think of it as as a great uh, experience for our kids. They're playing FCS football in the best league that's out there. And I don't care what anybody says about the Colonial or the Big Sky. You, you come play, come play, eight games in the valley because it's yeah, different. It's it's it's, it's different. I mean, we've played Southland teams, um, and you know Southland teams are good. They're they're very skilled, but they're not real physical. The ones that we've played since I've been here, um, and we've played some really good ones. Now I'm not saying that they can't beat us. They have beat us, but it's different ball than than the ball that we're seeing. You know, I mean, our stuff, the the teams in our league, even the the so-called finesse teams in our league are physical. The spread teams in our league are physical. And so, I mean, it's it's just, it's fun. I mean, our kids are, they're tough. They play hard. They love each other. And, you know, I mean, that's what, that's what this thing's all about. That, mm-hmm. That's what, that's what coaching's all about. Is you know I I don't do this this thing for the money you know I mean I'm that guy that on senior day I cry every year and I hate it but <laughs> I just you spend so much time with those kids yeah. that you love them and and it's just it's sad when they leave but you know the the other part of it for us is 
those guys that coach them in high school, they're teaching them how to be young men and and how to get to college and how to be successful in college. And then it's our job to take what their parents and their high school coaches have done and try to teach those guys how to be productive members in society. I tell my kids, as soon as they walk in the door, I said, listen, I have one goal for you. And my goal for you is that you don't get fired from your first job. Mm-hmm. I, I, w- I want you to learn how to, to be a winner and how to fight and how to persevere. I read something a couple of years ago. I think it was in Forbes. I haven't been able to find it since. But like 70% of millennials either quit or get fired from their first job within the first 60 days. Wow. And I can just, can't you just see it though? Their boss asks them to do something, but they're too good to do that job. I'm not doing that job. Mm-hmm. That's not my, that's not my problem. <laughs> I'm not doing that. And so they either get fired or they quit. They're either too good for it or whatever the case is. But like, I could just see it when I was reading this earlier. I could totally see that with this group of people. And, and so that's when I started telling them, I just don't want you to get fired from your first job. I want you to, to learn how to fight through some stuff and do some things that you don't want to do. You know, I mean, I tell our kids, sometimes it's going to hurt a little bit. That's why they gave you a mouthpiece. You just bite down on that sucker and you deal with it and, and we move on. And, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's such a unbelievable profession that we're in. Mm-hmm. to to have the opportunity to impact lives and and the other thing that I think is kind of cool about it is you never know what kids going to need you you know i mean it's 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 easy to say well this kid didn't have a father figure he's going to need me that kid might not need you at all it's a pretty mm-hmm. good chance he's got it all figured out hmm. um you know so you you just never know what kid you're going to be able to to have that impact on. And that's the part of, of my job that is the most rewarding is, is that part of it, the, the relationships. I still talk to kids that I coached 15 years ago, which is kind of cool because they send their kids to our camp now, <laughs> and, you know, to our, our little youth camp. And, you know, I mean, I've been taking pictures the last couple of years with, with a kid that I coached. And then his little guy. And I mean, it's just, it's pretty cool. But I guess it tells you I'm getting old too. <laughs> now you're just getting wiser, man. JJ, yeah, it's I always know. a pleasure, man. I, I I love when you come in, man. I love picking your brain. Uh, I've always, always been a fan ever since I've met you, man. It's, it was awesome to have you on. You can see why, uh, why kids want to play for you and, and why, uh, why you do what you do and why you're so good at what you do, man. Appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.